He stood at the end of the garden lane, alone, waiting. He had once beheaded a sunflower in that same garden. Chief Inspector Peter Cameron might have been from a work by Magritte. He wore a high-buttoned black suit and a small bowler, also flat black. He held a black umbrella, which might have been mistaken from a certain distance for a walking stick, though the effect was not Chaplin-esque. His moustache, trimmed short and neat, added to the impression of compact self-control, though the effect was not Hitlerian. It had long ago turned grey and distinguished. Another growing season had come, and would soon be gone, and the ripe sunflowers, as planned out by his wife Joan, marched all the way along the snake-rail fence that hemmed the lane. If Cameron, stiff and monochromatic, seemed oddly posed against this backdrop of impressionist extravagance, the juxtaposition didn't interest him. He was simply waiting, he told himself, for this latest investigation to begin. That's all. It was still a fresh morning, but warming up fast enough for him to remove his hat and suit coat and fold them over the top of the Gladstone bag at his feet. He regretted bringing the too formal hat— but leaving it to crown one of the fence posts seemed too capricious a farewell, given how edgy Joan could get when he started a case. The sunflowers did not lead him to think of gardening, or marital dissonance, or Van Gogh. Rather, and he wasn't sure why, they made him jump to a memory from the last case he'd been involved in before his semi-retirement. As part of that investigation, he had paid a visit to an Alzheimer's ward, in the thin hope of getting information out of an old woman who might, or might not, have seen a killing from her hospital window. Arriving during a routine cognitive test being administered by the hospital psychologist, he watched as the woman misidentified the most ordinary of objects. She thought knuckles were coins and shoelaces were blankets. She responded with such certainty that the psychologist just let her go on without correction. Peter had ached at her distress. An interview would have been useless. What interested him more and more as he approached the age of sixty-eight was memory itself. After forty years of examining witnesses, he understood that the machinery of the subconscious could spit out a stored image for its own reasons. What counted for a detective was where the recollections led you. Yet with this woman, the gears had worn through. She had enjoyed looking out her window at the garden, yet what, if anything, imprinted itself on her mind? The tumblers of memory were but a stumbling block away from senility, where memory became a betrayer rather than a faithful guide through the wilds of a difficult universe. Peter understood that the woman whom the psychologist let ramble found solace, from what Peter did not care to guess, by moving into another world entirely. He had no intention of entering her world. He had worked too hard to create his own. But these were idle thoughts, a warm-up exercise to burn off the morning's mental fogs while he waited for his colleague to pick him up. They didn't lead him any further into the incident with the old woman, nor was there any danger that he himself would slip into daftness in the imminent future— although sunstroke was possible in the growing heat of this late September morning. He had been told enough about his new assignment to book six days in Whittleson, 
the coastal town that reluctantly laid claim to the murder-suicide. Sir Stephen Bartleben, who had made the call to him from Yard headquarters in London, and who was the point man for liaising with Whittleson police, hadn't ordered Peter to block in six days, but only suggested it. It probably would not take that long, but Peter knew from experience there was no way to tell. One presumed the locals were competent, but then again they had called the yard for assistance, not the other way round, and so there might be complications of which Peter was currently unaware. On the other hand, wife murders and the flight of the husbands just as often turned out to be routine. Peter would soon know. The degree of complexity, that is. One of his virtues was patience. André Lasker, a mechanic, had beaten his wife to death and thrown her body off the local cliffs. Or perhaps she had been alive when he pushed her into the channel. The husband then took off his clothes and walked into the ocean. Her body had been found, his had not.